Hello, and welcome to the podcast on Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. So I want to uh, transition now uh, back to where we had started four weeks ago. It was hope. We were looking at um, at hope and what that means as Christian kind of led us through our first week of Advent um, and the anticipation of Christ's coming, of what this season really embodies. Um, and so we we talked about how hope is something that we believe in, that we wholeheartedly trust for, um, but it is not something that we see. It's not something that is necessarily materialized in our life. Um, That hope is hoping for something that has yet to come, that is yet to occur. And uh, the second week, I was able to speak on joy. And joy is something that like hope isn't isn't based on what you currently have in front of you, what you're experiencing. Joy is something that supersedes circumstances and situations. Joy is something that we even decide and determine for ourselves as we reflect on the goodness of God. Our lives are filled with his gladness, with an overwhelming sense of his joy. This this last week, you know, this isn't in my notes, but just I've been reminded that God the God we serve, the Father that, that is in heaven who loves us, whose thoughts are for us, he really does abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. And in my prayer for us this new year, I kind of I started 2020 with a word in my heart. I had a, I had a word for the year that I felt like the Lord had given me. And, and I'm just praying that, that we would have a sense of what God wants to do in our, in our lives this next year. Uh, for me, I believe it's going to be something that is overwhelming, that is abundantly more than what you could think or imagine. He's, he's more than enough. He does more than you could think. And this last week, we've seen that just at Kiko. We have picked up more toys than we've ever had in the history of our 26 years of existence. Um, it's just been amazing. And we're like, God, what, what are you doing? Is this for new new locations that we're yet serving in? Is this for um, is this for us to be able to do more in the communities where we already? And it's it's probably yes to all those things, but when we see God do things in abundance, I just love it when the Lord loves to show up and He shows off, and uh, so that's what I'm expecting in some great ways in this next year, and uh, and those and it's when we see His goodness that we have an opportunity to operate in that hope and in that joy that He fills us with, and then BJ last week. A great job on on leading us through love, which is really exemplified in the life of Christ. Uh, love that that we see um, even in his life, in his death, but also uh, that he would do it. What no greater love is this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. And and as we were talking to the youth at the Christmas party, I was reminded that Jesus would lay down his life not just for his friends, but as Paul would say in Romans, for us even when we were his enemies even when we're his enemies. So if no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends, then what kind of love is it that he would even lay it down for his enemies when we're in opposition to him? This is even greater love than someone that would lay it down for someone who would repay him, who would be, uh, who is close to him, who is kinship. This is God kind of love. And so today I'm excited that as we reflect and remember and celebrate God with us, Emmanuel, that we can posture ourselves and embrace what he is doing in our lives and in, our, and in this season. Um, so I want us to shift gears a little bit as we look at the final week, as we transition to what is unexpected right now. And, and I believe in this season, I want us to end and land this plane on peace. And I want us to look at it with a little bit different perspective than just the Christmas story. I'm going to pull out a passage of scripture from one of the prophets and talk about what we as a country, as a people, as a world have been walking through this past year and when God inv- invades our, our world with his peace, sometimes it's not always in the circumstances we expect it. Last night, uh, we, we were watching some of the Christmas movies that we love and uh, we watched Star. I don't know if you've ever watched that. It's such a cute animation um, of, the, of the scripture, of this Christmas story. 
and the the little donkey is there and he's he doesn't know exactly what his role is going to be he's thinking you know something great's going to happen but as the angel shows up to Mary I was just reminded in this and he just quotes the scripture can you imagine how unexpected it was for Mary to have this angel show up and say you are going to bring the son of God into this world and you are going to raise him and for her to have that conversation with Joseph what that must have been like. I mean, I think we read these and, and it's so it's so familiar to me that I missed the the actual humanity behind it. I missed that it was God that entrusted himself to man, that he would come and become one of us. And he did it for a reason and for a purpose. He brings us hope, he brings us joy, he brings us love, and he brings us all these things that are eternal, including his peace. And so the word simply talks about how God would appear. And his, his coming is probably the most significant birth that has ever happened in history, without a shadow of a doubt. The most significant birth, right? You always look at, um, you get the ones like the first one that happened in a new year. And they talk about the first birth at UT Medical Center for 2020 or for 2021. And, um, and, and then you even have, I, I posted that I hope to be the one that makes it on the, the Smucker's jar, right? I want to at least, I want to make it to a hundred plus and get to be on my, my own jar of jelly. And, and they show me on the Today Show or whatever. Nobody else watches that apparently. And so there's, there's these births that have, that have made history or have made it to a milestone that we celebrate, but there is none greater than the one that we're celebrating right now. There is none greater than when God would wrap himself in flesh for all eternity. And so Advent simply means coming or appearing in Latin. The Greek word is parousia, his appearing. And this is something that has multiple layers of fulfillment as the prophets would speak about it that there was this coming when the prophets were in captivity, that the Lord would show up and do something great in their midst. But it was also a prophecy of what was to come that would be fulfilled in the Messiah and that would even be fulfilled in the end times in, in his second coming. And there's these multiple layers and uh, there's a fancy word in, in theology, we call it epi epigenetic. It's actually a, a scientific term, but it means that there are multiple layers of fulfillments, that the genetics of these things are fulfilled at different times and in different ways. And I think we see this with his appearing. And I want us to look at a scripture that I always find really, really fascinating in 1 Corinthians as we look at, at his coming. This is Paul pretty much giving a summarization of the gospel. And he summarizes it in a few ways. Listen to what he says. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. He's saying, here's the gospel. This is the message. That Christ did what? He died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay, we get that. He died. And then the next verse, that he was buried but that he was also raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He mentions each one of those things one time. He died, he was buried, he was raised. Now, how many of you think those three things are pretty important to your faith? That he was died, that he was killed, that he died, that he was buried, and that he was raised. I think there's a monumental to our faith. But listen to what he says five times after that. He says, and then he appeared to Cephas, being Peter, and then the implications is that appeared is applied a second time. He appeared also to the 12. And then the, Paul goes on. This is the gospel. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then appeared to all the apostles the most crucial portion of the good news that I think we often miss today is that he is still appearing to his people. He is continuing to reveal himself to his creation. He desires that the fellowship that he had in Genesis 3 has never left his original intent or plan for what he, he wants to engage with in his creation, and that is to dwell with him, to walk in the cool of the day, to come and commune and to fellowship with us. We have such a good father and this is the gospel. This is the good news that he has appeared to us and that he continues to appear to us. You know, part of our mission here um, 
It was funny. Candy was wearing her manual shirt, her Encounter Connect Grow shirt, and and Levi thought we were we were going to church. It was Tuesday night, right? And she just finally she got a shower and was ready to come on, you know, put on her pajamas and wearing wearing the manual shirt. And Levi thinks we're headed to church because she's wearing he's wearing that. But we say Encounter Connect Grow because encountering is what he continues to do in our lives. Hopefully this morning during worship, you had some sort of moment of an encounter of a recalibration in his presence. And I sense that he was here. And there are these moments where he meets us when we're, uh, when we're looking for him, when we're seeking him, and, and others when we're not, he just shows up. But this is part of the good news, is that he has died for us. He was buried for us. He has raised to new life, conquering death, hell, and the grave. But the good news continues that he continues to appear to us. This is not only Advent, but the celebration of every day that we can arise new each morning and meet with him, commune with him. This is grace. This is mercy. John Wesley, one of my heroes in the faith, He says this about his experience. He talks about after knowing so much about God, even keeping some of these rules and regulations. If you're familiar with the Methodist movement, um, he had a club with uh, George Whitfield and some of the others called the Holy Club at Oxford. And they would have all these rules that they would keep and, and, and they felt their devotion to God was really earmarked off of keeping these rules. But then he had an encounter with the presence of the Lord in a real and meaningful way. He was in Aldersgate, England, and he's reading uh, in a group. There's, it's being read. That it's, the, it's just a commentary by Martin Luther on the book of Romans, and they're in, in the interju- introduction to this, um, to this epistle. That It's just the preface, and all of a sudden, Wesley has this encounter that he remembers so deeply that his heart was strangely warm. And it was then that he had this experience where he recognized that it is in Christ alone that I have salvation, not in my works. There's, this assurance was given to him, he says, that, it, that God had taken away his sins, even mine, Wesley would say, and saved me from the law of sin and death. It is these encounters, no matter how much we know up here, no matter how much it looks like we're keeping in our lives, it is these encounters in God's presence that transform our hearts where the Spirit infuses life and takes away the burden that we often carry that is just produced by sin and death, the law. And so as he described it, I believe for us as well that there's a part of our story, our testimony where Christ continues to reveal himself, to appear. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. One of the great verses we quote this time of year says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government, his reign and rule and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus was anticipated for centuries before his arrival. It was thought that the common Jew believed that when this Messiah would appear, would show up, that he would literally deliver them again from the captivity they were in. They were no longer operating in their own nation. Um, They had gone from one captive to another. And I think today we find ourselves in similar circumstances, living in spiritual captivity to so many different things. The whims of our culture, the, the, the perceptions of things, the, even the inclinations that we would attribute to God that oftentimes are just conjured up in our own flesh and through our own unsurrendered desires. That when he shows up, it oftentimes looks so starkly different than what we were expecting as it did that original conception. That Mary would give birth to the Son of God that he would come and preach compassion and healing and establish a kingdom not of this world, not giving them a place on earth, but 
in realms not seen. That the kingdom he was establishing would be forever and would have eternal impact and ramifications. And the peace that he brings, it has no end. It has no end. And when I reflect and I think about 2020, and I think about this year, and I think about in light of even Christ's coming, I think about peace, and I think about how lacking it's been. I think about as we started into March and we were at a movie with the youth on that Thursday night and it seemed like the literally the earth was spinning off its axis. Things were closing down left and right. School, it looked like, was going to you know go to at least a two-week spring break, right? If not longer. <laughs> They're still not back, I don't think. But there were so many things in that time where the peace of Christ did not reign and rule. And there's still so many things in our nation today where the enemy desires to keep us from living under the government of our king and the peace that he brings with it. And he'll do this any way he can because if we allow the peace to reign and rule, then then he can't. He can't divide us. He can't keep us in turmoil. He can't keep us operating in fear instead of faith. And and if it's over politics or if it's over any tension he can create in our nation, he'll do it to keep us from, uh, from operating underneath the kingdom that is being established by God. His reign that will be forever and his peace that will have no end. And we've been robbed of a lot of these things, but I believe the Lord wants to come back and and remind us, this is what I've come to bring. That in my appearing, in my appearing to you, even today, this morning, wherever you're, you're joining us from, that it is my peace that I desire to establish in the hearts of men and women. And I believe that we're in a unique place right now for God to show up and to show off. I believe that we are postured in such a way that only he is going to be able to get the credit for what he is about to do. There's no more window shopping for the mega church talent. There's no more, you know, this vice versus the other as far as a demonstration of what looks to be uh, Christian Christian authority or uh, his church. But it is going to be God showing up and him showing off and him establishing his kingdom. And he'll do it through his people, but it's going to be through people who aren't, whose names you'll never know again, who aren't looking for any limelight, who it is going to be a nameless, faceless generation who are pointing to one who is greater than us all, who is establishing a kingdom through righteousness and justice, and his peace will have no end in our lives. I remember at the beginning of the, when we went virtual in March and into April, Um, there was just this phrase that the Lord kind of had dropped in my heart. And I would say it multiple times in kind of our virtual services, and I would even pray it. Um, It was, God's got us. He's got this. God's got us. He's got this. And it's still the same, regardless of what you're walking through right now. You know, the folks that I was praying with this week who who are, are just concerned that, the COVID they've contracted, that it would get worse and and that we continue to stand that God's got us. He's got this. And there's so many that financially, this has been a difficult year for some. Others, it's been great. And some are just, it's been the same. And some, it's been health concerns. Others, it's been, man, I just wish things would go back to normal. I don't, I don't understand. Our nation, the political divide, the pandemic and The truth is, is that a lot of these things will subside just in time because they never last forever. The pandemic will end. The political tensions will come down. All all these things just in the natural way of life will change. It will go back. But will we journey through this time being reminded that God's got us, that he's got this? Will we just endure what we're going through or will we choose to flourish? And that's what I believe his peace does in our lives. And I want us to shift gears a little bit and look at a verse from the prophet Jeremiah. We're going to look at a passage of scripture. I'm going to read one that you've heard so many times, I would imagine, coming out of Jeremiah chapter 29, if you've got your Bible with me. 
You can open up and we're going to look at 29. First, verse 11, the one that many of you have heard, says this. And this is the New King James Version. I really like the way that this translates it. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of what? Peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. How many of you have heard that verse at least a dozen times, right? You've heard it applied in so many different situations and preachers use it for so many different contexts and and, and all of that can be very well and, and true. It can, it's a broad verse that can apply to so many situations. And that word peace there, it's translated it, describing God's desire for his people. He's saying, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Here's what they are. It's thoughts of my shalom, thoughts of my peace over you and not of evil. And there's so many things that come with God's peace. That word can be also translated as completeness, as wholeness, as soundness, as your welfare. I have thoughts for your well-being. I am thinking about you constantly. And it includes your prosperity. It is including your blessing that you would walk and experience that you are the head and not the tail. These are the thoughts that our Father God thinks towards us constantly. It is peace. And I want us to look a little bit at the context of this passage. And I want us to look at it specifically in light of what our world is going through, in light of what our nation is going through, in light of what you personally may be walking through. That as we're journeying through right now, the, a, a pandemic, political climate, the economic situations of many, whatever it is, whatever it is you find yourself in right now, I want you to think about God's thoughts for you. God's thoughts for you, no matter what you're walking through right now. You've probably heard me talk about a little bit of my time in L.A., uh, when I was uh, out of Bible college, I had an internship out there and worked with this, this big ministry, and it was a great experience, but I quickly got burnt out. I don't know if you've ever experienced burnout before, but it can leave you a little jaded. Um, for me, it brought me through a season of even just questioning my foundations. I was questioning what the Lord had even done in my life years, years past that I knew were Him. And I just, I didn't know how to really get myself out of this spiritual dry place. I, the Lord, I just, I couldn't hear him like I once used to. Uh, the, the scripture, when I would read it in my time of devotion, it was just dry. It was dry. I felt like he was so distant. And I was lacking any new direction. And I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end my internship early. I'm actually going to, I'm going to abort. I'm getting out. I got to. I just don't know that I can, I'll be in a good place. And so when I came home for Christmas that year, and, and I always think about my, um, the staff I worked with and, and the folks that not all of them are still with us, but were even in my wedding that I had great relationships with. I think about them this time of year because this was my last season with them. But it had such a formative, a formative moment in my life because I found myself in a place that I didn't think I would ever be of questioning God's existence, of questioning his reality, of questioning, really, did he call me? Did he really do these things in my life? Did he really say this? Did he really mean that? And he wasn't giving me any new direction. So you know what I went back to? I went back to the last thing he had told me. I went back to the last place where I had clarity. And I think sometimes, especially today in our context, we need to remind ourselves of the absolutes of our Father. We need to go back and remind ourselves of the things we do know to be true, of what he has spoken to us from his word, of what he has said are his thoughts towards us. Because in a moment of, of dryness, of, of the arid lands that we could be walking through, of, of turmoil and so many, um, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, whatever it may be, we have to ground ourselves in the spoken word of God in his word that he breathes on and gives new life to, that we can find his peace again. And for me, that was a process. And I want us to look in Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4, at the context that the prophet says these words. He says this, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, 
the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So here's the nation of Israel. They're in captivity. They're not in their own uh, country. They're, they're not operating the way that God originally intended them to. And now he's saying that I have allowed this to happen, that you have found your, yourself in this place. He says, but I want you to build houses and dwell in them. What? But this isn't, this isn't where we're supposed to be. This isn't, I'm not supposed to flourish here. I, I'm supposed to be over there. Things are supposed to be like this. God, what are you mean? What do you mean? Plant gardens and eat their fruit? The prophet goes on, take wives, beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. Continue to bear fruit in the land that you are dwelling, that you may increase there and not diminish. And I think about the season that we've walked through. In the season that we don't know when it's necessarily going to end for our nation. But the Lord, despite what happens or continues to happen, has not called you to diminish, but to increase. Remember, the God of more than enough, more than you could ever think or imagine, he speaks these words to us. He says, and while you're wherever you're at, in whatever you're going through, in whatever you thought was supposed to be, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. That had to be a difficult wor- word for the Israelites. They're like, wait a minute. Not only do we n- not get to be in the promised city where we have established your, your presence and your, your reign and rule, so to speak, but you want us to seek the good of a pagan city? You want us to establish and flourish even and bear fruit in a place that is godless? Seek its peace and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. And he goes on, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Don't let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you who are saying, don't seek the peace of even these places that I have sent you, nor listen to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. We're going to look at that in a minute. For the prophecy falsely to you in my name, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you. I will appear and I will perform my good word towards you and I will cause you to return to this place. And this is where the context of that verse, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Constantly, our father says, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And those aren't based on where you are currently living. Those supersede time and space. Those supersede captivity and circumstances that you find yourselves in right now that you never thought you would be walking through. But God, we're going to be here how many? 70 years? Are you kidding me? Generations are going to be established here and you want us to actually flourish in what we're walking through. During a pandemic, God? Are you serious? During the the political climate we're in? You're saying seek the peace of a nation that seems to be godless? You want us to make decisions that actually prefer this nation versus ourselves. And in that, we're going to find our peace? Really? He says, these are my thoughts towards you. You operating as the head, you will begin to establish a kingdom that is not of this world and its peace has no end. The Messiah will bring it about It will be fulfilled when the prophet speaks these words. Jesus will establish it, but he continues to appear and he establishes a kingdom whose peace has no end. We're living in a nation that is divided, full of turmoil, families having to stay apart and all these things that we're we're walking through. But what our world needs now more is his peace that has no end. 
Will you allow him the thoughts that he has to you to give you future and a hope? He says, and then you will call upon me and you will go and you'll pray to me and I will listen to you because you have sought the peace of a place that I have have placed you right now in a situation and in a circumstance maybe you never thought you'd be walking through. He says, but you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is a kingdom principle. And he goes on. This is where we're going to end. And we're going to look at a few points. I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. It's not going to be like this forever. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place for which I cause you to be carried away from captivity. God bless this reading of your word. What you thought as your destruction, what you thought, I'm not done yet. Oh, are you coming to play? I got a little bit. I got a little bit. Yeah, I'll call you up and just say, I'm sorry, Bruce. James did that to me one time. You remember when James tried to play me out of here? Man, I tell you what, Bruce is hungry and he's already ordered his meal. What you thought of as your destruction, God is saying, but I can use this to bring you back to myself. I can use this to bend the knee of a nation to dependency upon me. I can use this to even restore right relationships in homes, in a culture. I can begin to use this if you'll begin to seek the peace that has no end of where I've put you. He says, even in this place of captivity, what you thought is actually your demise, God says, I can use it to cause you to flourish and not diminish. What you thought was going to be one of the worst years, I can make it one of your best. What you thought was going to be, who knows what, but I have called you to something greater because you are my children. I am a good God. I am a good father. But what he's calling Israel to, and he's saying to us as well, we have to change the way that we think. We have to have a transformation of thought and perspective. The way that we look at things has to be first that we seek the peace of the place where God has put us, of our nation, of those around us. That is no longer just my prayer list of praying for myself and those around me and my family, but I am praying bigger prayers. I am praying prayers for those who have yet to experience his peace in any way. The prayers that I'm praying is for the peace of those who will never experience it unless I intercede on their behalf. Unless I build the bridge that Christ says his cross in Ephesians, that he brought enmity between those who were away from God and those who were near God, those who had his promises and and those he he, didn't. And I know that's Jew and Gentile, and that bridge was the cross of Christ. But for us, we can say, God, we continue to ask that you would show up in power and through your peace, bring the bridge of your cross again in the lives of our nation, in the lives of people that are far from you. And there's this, there's this invitation that God gives us that this is your way to spiritual promotion. This is how you will begin to experience my blessing when you seek the peace of others, even over your own. Look at what Paul even says, kind of falling in these same lines of a directive in prayer that would allow us to live in peace in a culture and society that is godless. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first four verses here. He says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. No, just the Democrat. No, just the Republican. No, the Libertarian. No, for all people. He says, for kings and all those in authority. Why? Why? What's the reason for that? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. There's this invitation that as we seek the peace of those around us, it invites us into his peaceful and quiet life that he has for us, that we would begin to flourish in the trust that we have in our father, that he's got this, that he's got you. 
This is good and pleases God our Savior. You want to know what pleases God? To pray for those around us right now that are far from God's peace. To establish a kingdom that has no end, that will experience his goodness and his peace, that we too can flourish and rest in the goodness of God. And who wants all people, our God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And it's gonna be because of his intercessors, because of his people who humbled themselves, who heard the clarion call to repent and turn from their wicked ways. I'm afraid a lot of times we, as God's people, we hear that verse and we're like, our nation needs to humble itself and repent and turn from its wicked ways. And that's very true. But that is not where God started. God started with his people. It begins in the house of the Lord. The repentance and the humbling begins with me. It begins with you. It begins with us turning from the ways that we have followed. Right now, folks, if let's just be honest. If you have no peace in your life and you're spending more time scrolling a social feed than you are in scripture, then that is self-induced. Own it. If you, ha- if you lack his peace and you're not spending more time in his presence, I can't, I can't give you another formula than getting alone with God, than humbling ourselves and repenting that we've put more stock in the news media and in our government and in so many other things than in him and him alone. There was only one that was called to come and establish a kingdom that was not of this world. And we, if we are truly little Christ, then we are following his lead and saying, God, it's not of this world. I don't know why I was expecting the government to get us something out of something they broke and I want them to fix it. And it's systemic and our, our, our city's doing this right now. They're passing laws that are going to cause millions of dollars to be spent for a system that broke and crippled us but they want the same system to also fix us. The answer is never a system of this world. The answer is a government that is established from heaven. And he brings a peace that starts here between us and God, between us and other creation, humanity. There is a peace that we have to experience in order to let his kingdom come, his government reign and rule. Amen. This is his desire. He wants all to experience and to know this. And so the the verses continue. As I look back here real quick, I love this verse. This is a profound lesson in and of itself. I believe the Lord speaks to us through dreams. But here, the prophet is warning, don't let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you. And this last phrase I think is really interesting. Nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. When we hold on to our own agenda and do not yield them to the purposes of God, that bent and that desire will create its own dreams in the night. When we have an unsurrendered desire, we can create our own prophecies around it. And it will be fleshly induced. And here the prophet is warning against that. You haven't surrendered these to the Lord. You are creating your own dreams. You have fabricated these things for you to follow and to be, and maybe you're even getting a crowd around you to listen to these things, but it's not from the Lord. It is the offspring of your own unyielded desires. It's illegitimate. That's what the prophet is saying here. And I think if we don't come back to a place of walking with a yielded heart to his purposes, we will miss this season of flourishing, of seeking the place of even the place that we're walking through now that seems godless and like we're in captivity and we were never destined to be here. But if we if we equate this to our demise, then we'll experience just that. But if we say, God, but your thoughts are different for me. Your thoughts towards me are that I would flourish in this moment. And if we will yield our heart, because even when we sleep, right? Even though I sleep, my heart is awake. The Song of Solomon would say, 
5.2. He says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. There is this awakeness, this awareness that my heart is postured to the Lord. I am yielding these desires, my thoughts towards you, Lord, that they would coincide with your thoughts towards me. And it is that yielded heart that allows for the divine dreams to flow from the Lord and the direct communication that he desires to have with us, that direct communication with our Father. And he says this, and I love it. He says, I will be found by you. He says, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. My thoughts, though, are for peace, and, but then you're going to call upon me. And he says, I will be found by you. And Jesus uses very similar language in the Gospel of John. He says, he says when, when you are looking for me, I'm going to be found by you. It's like the man standing in the middle of the street where you can't miss him. He's, 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 there's no conspicuous nature to, to God. He is, he's going to flag us down. We're not going to be able to just kind of walk through life and, and miss his appearing. He's saying, you won't be able to miss me because we have a father that wants us to be known by him and wants to know us. His promise is this, is that if you search for me with all your heart, you're going to find me. Whatever road you're traveling down, he says, I'm going to be there in the middle of it. There will be this encounter that will change everything. And that's his promise. This is his great and grand promise for every single one of us that he says, I have positive thoughts for you. I have these thoughts of your peace. I have these thoughts of your prosperity. I have these thoughts of you flourishing. I have these thoughts of you overcoming. I have these thoughts of you where I am more than enough in your life. He says, just just turn towards me. And this is his mercy. This is his grace. That no matter what desperate place we find ourselves in, if we turn towards him, if we seek him, if we pursue him with all our heart, he's going to speak to us. He's going to speak to us. Think about that. He's saying, don't dwell on what's happened in your past. Don't, don't think of it as the glory days. Don't think of it as your demise. He said, don't dwell on that. Think about what I'm thinking about towards you right now, right now in what you're journeying through. He says, because I am going to prepare a table for you that we will feast at, that where we will commune. And the psalmist says that that table is even in the presence of our enemies. He invites us, even in the darkest of journeys that we may be on, he invites us to come in and to sup with him. He still invites us in to have this this communion, this encounter. The invitation is laid before to draw such stark contrast. Isn't that the whole of scripture? That the redemption of our God, it's something that you can't do on your own and you're going to see such contrast that, hey, look at all these plagues that are going to come down as I'm delivering my people, but they're not going to touch you. It may fall on all the ones around you, but you, you're mine. And that's what's going to distinguish you from all the other nations, right? All the other peoples. But his invitation is that, we would invite them in to experience this peace. Pharaoh, you had your chance. Egyptians, you had your opportunity. Won't you come in? I'm going to seek the peace of the place where I'm at. Oh, that Knoxville would be a place that is established under the peace and shalom of God. Oh, that Tennessee wouldn't be leading in some of the things that we're leading in right now, but God, bring about your peace. Health-wise, pandemic-wise, just racially, economically, let us flourish. Let us be a beacon, a city set on a hill. Let us be willing to seek the peace of the city, not just as us individually. And he prepares this table, this place of exchange, this fellowship where we can eat and be nourished and strengthened. God says, I'm preparing this place for you to encounter me, even in the midst of your enemies. And we see it right here in Jeremiah 29. I'm going to bring you into this wholeness. I'm going to bring you into this place of why I put you here on this planet to begin with. I'm going to bring you. You're not going to miss a thing. I'm bringing you back. He says, but be careful though. Don't listen to those that announce to you that God is not in this, that he is not, he's not the God of calamity. He has not caused this, but all these crazy things that is even happening right now, but he's, he is still God in the midst of all of it. He is, he is not, his throne didn't take a notch down. 
he's still elevated, is the only high one that, that is worthy of praise. And whatever is important to us right now, I want to encourage us to not fight the restrictions that we feel like our circumstances have put on us, our captivity has put on us. And I know we're in a pandemic and to use the word restriction just probably like brings all these things up in people's minds. So whether it's mask in a pandemic, here's what I want to tell you. Whether you believe in it and it's the key to be healthy, fine. Or whether you believe it is just from the pit of hell and will have nothing to do with it, fine. But what we have to do in our diversity is to never abandon the spirit of Christ to never abandon his character and his nature. Hold your views, but not at the exclusion of the character of Christ. I've said it before, the devil could care less what your opinion is as long as you'll leave the character of Christ to promote it, to defend it. You'll sacrifice this to promote that. You'll sacrifice the character of Jesus to promote this, whatever it is. We're, I'm, we're all guilty of doing that. The Lord is calling us back that I've called you to establish a kingdom that is based on my goodness and a peace that will have no end. Now you can play. That means we're landing this plane. I want to give you three quick points here. It's the drive to promote things apart from the Spirit of God that will cause us to dream things that are not from God. Let me say that again. It is the drive to promote things apart from the spirit of Christ, the nature and the character of Jesus that will cause us to dream things that are not from him. We have a lot of people that have abandoned the character of Christ and feel like they have dug their flag in something that is their truth. But now, now we have really justified it in so many different ways and propped it up with so many supports but we have abandoned the character of Christ to dream this dream. And whether you're in it, whatever situation you're going through right now, what our nation is going through, what our city is going through, we're not, in, let's just be honest, we're not in a position to change it. What we are in a position to change is how we will hear and respond to the word of the Lord. This is what we're responsible for. Are we going to come back and allow his word to be our guide and our plumb line? Or is it going to be the news feeds? Is it going to be our social feeds? Is it going to be, are we going to allow those things to steal his peace? Or are we going to allow him to establish it in us? And God, that we would seek it, we would intercede for it, for our nation, for our world, and what we're walking through. We're not going to fight the restrictions of what we feel like we're walking, but we're going to flourish in this. You are called to flourish in what you're going through right now. And the second thing is you're, you're called to be restored to the promises of the Lord. I want you to rediscover for yourself that heart-to-heart -heart connection, that face-to-face -face conversation, that mouth-to-mouth -mouth relationship with the Father whose imagination is running wild for you, whose thoughts are extravagant for you, who when he's thinking about you d does dances over you, singing songs of joy. Be restored in this moment. Not, not allowing the restrictions to stifle you, but to say, I'm going to flourish in this because God's thoughts for me. I'm going to be restored to his promises of what he has for me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give me a future, one that is filled with hope. This is his appearing. This is what this season is about. And he's doing it again in us now. And finally, set your heart to seek the things of the Lord. If you will seek me, you will find me. If you knock, the door will be open. Ask, and it will be given to you. The book of Revelation, and there's this letter to Ephesus where they're corrected and rebuked, and they're called back to their first love to literally do the deeds that they did at first restored to what you know is absolute of our Father. Be reminded of His goodness. Relish in His grace. Lord, I just pray that you would find us in this place today. Father, those that are watching from home, those that are here with us right now, Lord, I believe that you 
have already, through the incarnation of Christ, come to put at peace all things that were at enmity with one another. God, some of us, it's right now, it's the the enmity we have between you and us. The relationship between us is broken. We know sin puts a wall between us, God, and some of us need to journey through repentance and have a transformation of heart and mind right now and accept the free gift of the peace that you want to bring in our relationship with you. There's others that need to journey from that peace to also a restoration in relationships with family and friends and, and people here on earth that they have that's been broken. But God, you want to bring peace and restoration to all things. God, right now, I believe that there is this groaning even in creation that is calling for the sons of God to be revealed because it is going to be a revealing of the Son of God. Creation has seen it once, 2,000 years ago, but God, creation is groaning for it to be revealed again through your children. So I pray, God, that we would grab a hold of your peace. We would grab a hold of your promises rich in love and mercy for us. We thank you for the access through the Holy Spirit that we have to your promises, to your power. Lord, I pray that on your people. I pray that we would seek the peace of our city and that we would dwell in your peace as a result, that we would flourish, that we would thrive, not just survive, that we would grow We thank you, God, that this is supernatural, that this is divine. These are your thoughts towards us. And we love you, God. We thank you for that. We thank you for your love for us. I just thank you right now in this room that we can take off hats of performance. I thank you that we can take off roles of even leadership or whatever we find ourselves in. God, we can just come as your children. We can just come as sons and as daughters right now. We can say, thank you, Daddy. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sacrificing so much. Thank you for giving yourself for us. We thank you for an overwhelming peace that we're filled with this morning. We thank you for satisfaction in you. We thank you for joy eternal. We thank you for your presence in where all these things are found. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at emmanuelag.com. 